how many of us have been coming to church for the last three, four, five weeks? I'm not taking register. I'm just checking or analyzing who's aware that what what that God is doing something in our lives as a church. Were you have you been there? Have you seen faith in operation? Have you seen healings happening? Have you seen signs and wonders? Is your faith stirred? And there was not there. I, I, at least I saw one. I, I was here. When you see something like that, you know that God, what God shared with us when we were in Denver is true. Remember I said, when we were in Denver, God showed me a vision of a bottle, a fizzy drink bottle being shaken. Bottle is only a Coke, ne? And you shake it and you put it down. What does it do? As it rises up. But then it soon settles down. Why? Because the cap is on. The cap restrains the contents from overflowing. So it doesn't matter the potential to overflow. It won't overflow until the cap is removed. And God says, when you see that cap removed, and I saw this cap removed, and this drink overflowing. And God says, it's time for the overflow. And in your midst, people will start living in freedom. Overflow, you'll see signs and wonders. You'll see people walking in their callings. You'll see people who were nonchalant about Jesus Christ, loving Jesus more. But when it's about like God says you'll see them, they'll start being serious about me. And I'm excited for you. Because for me, my desire is that you live your life as God has intended. And be everything, the best that you can be and the best you can have that God has for you. And when God says he will do that, I have faith that he will do it. Even if when you can resist him, God can break you, you know that. God can break even the most stubborn sinner. So for you who has been thinking, Ah, nugget heart, watch this space. Soon God is going to break you and you will rejoice in his presence. Amen. And so because God is taking us into this new phase, I think we are still talking about ministry. So I'm taking a detour to help us as a church facilitate properly what God is doing. Or how many matter into this case city so I get wrong. So today I want to talk about the one thing that will hinder us. It is the one and most important thing that will hinder us as a church from going where God wants us to go. How And so I call it the highest principle, the highest law that govern all human relationships. But let me cover some few things. Other high principles there are things that when you don't do in life when you stand before god you are going to regret having not done them and so this the highest power that god has vested in you as a person is the power to decide murimo has given you the the power to make a decision God will tell you what to do, but he will not impose on you the good that he tells you to do. And so it is your prerogative to decide whether I want to or I don't want to. 
But friends, let me say this. Your choice is man's choice. The, 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 the decisions so far have borne bitter and painful results for you. Every one of us can look at where you are and you know you have decided to get there. And every time God said, go left, you went right, and life has become painful. But God still says, I have a good plan for your life. And there will come a day called Judgment Day when you will have to face all your choices. There are higher principles. If we don't choose high things, we know we are choosing the low ones. But the low ones won't count. They will count against you on that particular day. On judgment day, life lived recklessly shall no more be favorably recompensed in eternity as it may have seemed on earth. On earth, when people do wrong, we applaud them. If you run around, you sleep around, we scork. What's the other one? We scotter. When you do all these wrong things, the people applaud you. But let me tell you, on that day, no one will applaud you. On that day, everybody will look at you with shame. Lawlessness may be rewarded in this life, but its cost will be evident in eternity. When, when eternity faces you, this was too much. It is too costly now. So to secure your future, if you don't know Jesus as a sin, house of police, to secure your future, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You need to get off your pride to think that I don't need God. You need him, it's just that you don't know, but on that day you will know. Jesus, you cannot tolerate him anymore. And you cannot tolerate us preaching about him anymore. You need to acknowledge you need him and his unchanging love for you. But you still have a right to reject him. But there will come a day where Jesus will clearly be evident to you as Lord. That day you won't have a choice to reject him. It will be too late. So friends, if you are here and you are not born again, listen, preaching we don't seek the approval for preaching well. We are crying for your soul. Because when Hunter, hey, that guy preaches well, you are tolerating Jesus. But the time will come when you won't have a chance. Is that okay with you? It's not Denver. It's just our, the heart of this church. That everyone who comes into the life of the church will ask God, God, let them not go home the same. If they come unsaved, let them live safe. If they came without purpose, let them go home with purpose. A child of God, you and I on the other hand, to secure our unfading crown of glory in Christ, we must learn to choose to live by the highest laws, the principles, the virtues, and the values given to men by God. They are laws in that they can be activated for or against you. Like the force of gravity. Try it, you will see. They are principles because they are vital in governing all of life and behavior. And they are values because they define, describe, and give identity to individuals and communities, setting us apart. 
when you live by certain values, people know who you are. They don't have to second guess who you are. And most of us, people don't even know what we stand for. Friends, what do you stand by and die for? Are you still okay? So the core aspect about these laws, principles, and virtues is that they have eternal ramifications. You cannot tweak them to alter their income in your life, their outcome rather. You can only obey or disobey them and set them in motion for your benefit or demise. What does that mean? It means these high principles that I'm going to tell you about today, you can't change them. God has put them there. And all of them, whether you do them or you don't do, whether you criticize or you don't criticize, here's the bottom line. The consequences that on are eternal. You are going to live with the results. Whether you burn in hell, it would be because of those results of these laws. Whether you, you rejoice and worship in heaven, it would be because you, you live by these things. You don't change them. Go to lesson day. Yeah. Second service is nice. Eh? Let's look at some few examples of these high laws, the principles, these virtues, these values. Number one, love. Love is the greatest of them all. Remember, these things, you either live by them or you disobey them and then you reap the consequences later. A scribe comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. What is Jesus saying? There is nothing more important you can do with your life than loving God. And therefore, if you're not loving God, just remember, you are living on the low principles of life. You'll pay the price ultimately. Conforming to Christ, being like Jesus, is the highest thing that we can ever be in this life. It says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, Jesus says. For those, Romans 8.28 says, God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. When God created us, the one great purpose he had was for me and you to be like Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you desire more. And what you receive, if you are not like Jesus, you are, living a, you are living a low life. You are living beyond what God intended for you. Christ is the only one who completely pleased the Father. And we are all called to be like him in every way. John writes that whoever claims to live in God must walk as Jesus did. And Paul says in Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be that the same as that of Jesus Christ. Don't you find it sad that how Romut, who's your role model? No one ever puts Jesus, including Christians. Who's your role model? Will Smith. Oh, really? <laughs> Discipling the nations, these are high things that we go into pay price for before God when we don't live by them. Winning souls is called the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach good news to all creation. Friends, there are 
Souls are the only lasting fruit we will take out of this world into eternity. How nan tongo taing out of this world except batwao ba pakiti? Never. Nothing. You know the song, right? We came naked and naked shall we depart. But when we have souls, we'll have something to present to the Father. Faith. Faith is the great anchor of the soul because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he says, the just, you and I, the righteous shall live by. Can you think about it? If we were just extrapolating, the just shall die by lack of faith. I'm sure Baba Wherever there is fear, doubt, and unbelief, the just shall perish. Because they will overcome life and its challenges by faith. And here we are thinking, oh, faith. Faith is a, is a movement. No, faith is not a movement. It's the highest principle of living your life. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, says Peter in First Peter 1.9. Peter says, the only way to overcome worry to overcome grief is faith. Come on, you know when you are worried, you are lacking what? Faith. And you know that's when you start getting sick. But your soul, when you have faith, can override any system of the devil and any weapon against you. The works of Christ, the great ministry. Jesus says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater than this because I'm going to the Father. But here's the bottom line. All the work that Jesus ever did, Jesus says, when you see me do something, you must know it is the Father who's at work. And so he says, the Father and I, if you love us, we will come and live in you. Guess who will be doing the work in you? Him. So friends, you cannot stand here and say, you know, I have a strategy to grow the church. Stewardship, it is the greatest responsibility you will ever have. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. And yet, to whom who is not faithful with little, even the little he has will be taken from him. You remember the story of the talents? Five, two, and one. And the one who hid it. Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. How in the story of the talents, when the king had come, and the, this one guy who had hid his talent, Arya, you like taking what you did not, you know, so. You know what the king says? He says, you worthless servant and so on and so forth. And then, he uses two words. He says, take him out. He's a worthless. Another version says, he's a wicked servant. So friends, you and I are entrusted with... So many things God trusts you with the life he has given you. God trusts you with 
material things. You know, God does not want you to be ruled by money. He wants you to rule money. But you see, many people are ruled by money. The poor and the rich. The poor, the Bible says, do not sleep. Seek him for money. They believe, if I get more money, at least now, uh, money will protect me, I will sleep. They don't sleep because they lack money. When they are rich, they don't sleep because they are scared of losing it now. Eh? You've never seen that. Go and ask a rich man, do you have enough money? They still want more. Why? Because this thing has gripped their hearts. Are you still with me on that one? And so, God has given us stuff to be stewards. If you steward bad, the Bible says, the idea of stewardship is attached to your heart. That's why it says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So, which means, your idea of stewardship reveals your heart. That is why people can spend money on a holiday but not on the kingdom. Why? Because they are lovers of self. Got to listen there. Why are you quiet? Because those people I'm talking about, they are not here. <laughs> but friends, here's the one thing that you stand and fall by. When God is doing all he's doing in our midst, how many months I and told If we fail this one, we will fail no matter what else we achieve. Love. Love is the highest principle that governs all human relationships. It doesn't matter if you are a human being. Every other thing that you relate with, whether it's chocolate, whether it's cat, whether it's God, whether love is that principle that governs that relationship so love governs number one our relationship with god matthew 22 27 says love the lord your god with all your heart your soul mind and strength you can't relate with god effectively without loving him love regulates how we relate with ourselves the bible says nobody Hates his body. Nobody hates himself. But then it also tells us that in loving ourselves, we go to the extreme. That in the last days, people will not be lovers of God. But they will be lovers of... That is why. I mean, have you seen how much money people spend in, the, in Hollywood and other places? A person who loves God... 5% spends a lot of money on changing a nose. That person will not spend the same money to reach out to the dying and the poor in the rest of the world. Never. But they will spend it on themselves. I hope that person is not here today. Love governs our relationship with our spouses, even with children. The Bible says, Ephesians 5.22, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Likewise, Titus 2, 3-4, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderous. 
then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children. See, love governs all relationships. With our neighbors, love your neighbor as you love yourself. With our enemies, love your enemies and pray for them. With the world, do not. Eh? It has been saying, love. love. When it gets to the world, do not love the world and everything in it. So, obviously, if it says, do not love the world, it presumes and supposes that you actually do. Or you have a propensity to. Do you understand that? If anyone loves the world, this is the hard part for me. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It, it, every one of us has love. Romans 5 says the, the God kind of love is poured in. But love is activated. Right? When as a child of God, you have the love of God. But you love the world so much such that the love of God in you is dead, is dormant. In your life. Material things. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. First Timothy 6.10 says people will be lovers of. So everything. That's why when you talk you say I love chocolate. I love shopping. So every other thing that you relate to is through love or the opposite of love. So all human problems stem from relationships. You know that. And all relational breakdowns and successes are governed by the direction of love. Whether we succeed or fail depends on which direction is our love going. Here's my question to you and me today. Where is your love? Think about it. Where is your... We are naturally... Now here's the problem that we all have. We are naturally inclined to love what we shouldn't. And fear, hate, or despise what we should love. And those that we are supposed to love, we fear to love. We, we, we despise, we, we, we hate. But here are things that you need to remember about love. Remember, this is the highest principle. Have you realized that what you are told not to love, you actually want to do. That's why we struggle. It's the reason why I'm preaching now. I'm preaching because people love what they shouldn't be loving. You understand? You understand the fact that there are people here who love God but love sin more. 
So the direction of love is more towards what? And they are not supposed to love love the Lord with all your so they give God 5% of the heart, 95%. You don't even have a verse that supports the direction of love that you are saying. But that's what you are saying. You understand why we are preaching this money? That's why we are preaching. Because the Bible says, husbands love your wives, not your girlfriends against your wives. Eh? Am I taking it too far? The Bible says, when you are unmarried, your love should be totally committed to the Lord. That's why I'm preaching now. Because we have young people here. Where's their love? Eh? Sugar daddy? Sugar mommy? Some guy who has no clue where he's going with his life. He doesn't even love himself. But you are so convinced that he will love you. So your, the direction of your love is misinformed. So that's why we're trying to bring it back today. Are we still okay? Hey. When the head fits, wear it. If it doesn't, it's not yours. I agree. If you are going around getting the night drivers as a man, yet you have a wife, God is talking to you. Your direction, the direction of your love is wrong. You love your job more than you love your kids. Okay, okay let's leave it at that point for now. We'll take it up next time. We need to talk about these things until you fix them. And that's why we preach. Fix the wrong. Get the love in the right direction. Then you'll see all of us will all be happy. So few things I need us to remember. Love identifies us with Christ and conforms us to his likeness. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 from verse 2 from verse 1 to 2, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live what? A life of just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Two, love is the primary indicator of spiritual growth and measure of character. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so people are happy to say, hey, we went to Africa, we did this, we started a soup kitchen. You know what? You gain nothing without love. It was all a futile exercise. Maybe you should have chowed the money yourself. That way at least you would have gained weight. But you've spent your money in vain without love. So when people are grown. They say, I'm spiritually grown. No, let's see how much of love is at work. Because love is patient. Love is kind. Again, it doesn't, it's not self-boasting. 
Now imagine a guy says, yeah, I'm mature. And you are talking to him. You know, there was this boy. He was still playing around me. I just kicked the thing. Oh. Where's maturity there? Because love is patient. Love is me, me, they know me. When I'm angry, I smile like boiling water. In fact, I can forgive anyone, but not that guy. Mo, Love. It's not like that. So when you say you are mature, don't tell us. Hey, by what? Loving the unlovable. Those ones that we all feel, I wish this guy can disappear. You know those people when you walk in the street, when he comes, you wish, you know, the, the ground can open and then you disappear. And then you go, he passes on top. And when they have passed, you, you appear the other side. Anyway. When you can go straight and say, hi, how are you doing? Because you have love, you are mature. You are not like the rest of us. How's that? Love is the only genuine exhibitor or a display of being Christ through disciples. There's no other way that we can tell you are a Christian and you love God. Except love. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you is that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If. If. People will not know who we are until we love one another. Are you not said that the church is famous of divisions and gossip and scandalous accusations against one another. We are the ones who always point, that church, this church, what, 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 what. Uh, let, me, let me warn you, if you are part of this church, do not go around saying, hey, my church is the best church. Because you're making a comparison against what? I don't know. No one can say, hey, my finger is better than my body. What are you talking about? We seek the unity of the body of Christ, not the honor of a finger or a nail. What if we are just a nail in the body of Christ? And here you are, very proud. Should we not love our church? We do. But we cannot love the local church above the body of Christ. We fight for the unity of the body. Are you still okay? Love supersedes any spiritual gifting we may possess and exercise. It doesn't matter what gift you have. You can be a good preacher. But this is what the Bible says. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. It's like you are in... China, at the Buddha's temple, and then they are playing, they are doing the karate. And without love, you are like the gong, gong. Because the Bible says you are like a clanging cymbal. You are a resounding gong. If I have the gift of prophecy, and should we, we all prophesy? The Bible says desire spiritual gift. But it says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So love 
is above spiritual gifts. Love is a demonstration that we are no longer walking in darkness. 1 John chapter 2 verse 9 to 11 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever, now I want to see, look at how it connects the light, the light and love. It says, whoever loves his brother lives in the light. So love ensures your habitation in the light. Other than that, this is what it has to say. And there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness. Despite their claim to be in the light and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. When you you live today and you go home and you like, Ish, I hate. Remember, you live in darkness. You live in love, finally, is the antidote for unforgiveness and fear. Love is the solution. Love is the cure. The Bible says, love covers over a multitude of sins. First Peter 4, 8. Love does not keep the record of wrongs. And it says, First John 4, 18. Perfect love casts out fear. So friends, when we walk in fear, we know we are, we are not walking in true love. And so here's the thing I want you to remember. Have you ever been betrayed? Yes. Have people ever gossiped about you? Yes. Have people ever done something painful to you? Yes. Have you ever been angry? Yes. Are you sad? Sometimes, I hope. Not always. Whatever the case may be in your situation. But all of us have gone through painful processes in life. Here's the bottom line. Unforgiveness is going to rob you of all that God has for you. And the only solution is love. So when you are sitting there and saying, Nah, I can't forgive. Remember. You are in bondage. It doesn't matter how much justified you feel. If all of us can stand here and tell you what has happened to all of us, all of us have a reason to hate someone. There's no person sitting here who does not have a reason to hate someone. But friends, you and I have used the power of choice to choose to direct our love in the right direction. We have chosen to love even our enemies. And so, here's what I want you to know today. The Bible says, God's agape love, God's unlimited, unchanging love has been poured in your heart today. How long You all understand that. 
but no one let me put it this way you are here you are a child of god when you get born again god pours his heart his love in your heart but you see it's like that drink it's poured but the cup is and so every time you get hurt you put in hatred you put on love is not flowing so every christian has love but not all christians walk in love that's why we have gossips in the church because gossip is a hatred for the brother that resides in the heart but is shown and demonstrated by the overflow of the mouth that's why we criticize and criticize and gossip and friends you and i are living in darkness when we live in that place we need to live in a place of blessing of speaking seasoned words of saying god bless you other people were being burned alive for this gospel jesus was crucified love flowed prophesy professor father forgive them why because the higher principle of love overcame the lower principle of unforgiveness just forgive them stephen they are stoning him he's not dead he's being stoned he says lord do not count this sin against them when i believe that issue has long been resolved, but you still hold it against them. Here's a guy who sees someone with a brick going to hit him. As he sees the brick coming to his face, Father, do not count it against him. Does that reduce the, the pain? No. Does that ensure he's not going to die? No. He died. But you see, he died living in the highest principle. Love your enemies. Love everyone. Question, do you walk in love today? Let's stand up in Jesus' name.